money is in the list. This is what we hear every time. But the truth is, how can you actually monetize your audience, especially when you're starting from scratch? Well, this is exactly what we are going to show you in today's episode. Hey everyone, Matt Giaro here. I'm your host here at Build Your Thing, the podcast where we help content creators find their unique creative voice, monetize their work, and build their tribe of loyal fans. And today I have another special guest for you. His name is Dylan Redekop, and he has been writing a newsletter and monetizing it from scratch while still working in a nine to five job. So this is actually a quite inspiring story, given the fact that he's actually doing the opposite of what I am preaching, which is actually selling your own stuff, selling your own products, maybe coaching, maybe online courses, whatever. So he actually went another path. And this is interesting because learning from others and what others are doing is actually a great source of inspiration. So In this episode, Dylan will actually walk us through how he actually managed to build his newsletter and the different monetization methods and also how to find advertisers and sponsors. And we are also going to talk about the dark side about creating a newsletter and, you know, all the little hurdles and roadblocks that we can face when it actually comes to creating and monetizing a newsletter. So I couldn't be more excited to share this interview with you. And with that being said, let's get started. Okay, great. Welcome Dylan to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. I'm really excited to be here. I mean, it's a pleasure to have you here. And we have been talking a little bit um, uh, like before I just started the recording and well, I think there are like, we have a lot of things that we are going to talk about. So I'm very excited to, to have you here. So then for those who don't know you, can you tell a little, can you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you're actually doing? Sure. Yeah. My name is Dylan and I run a, um, well, I, I have a nine to five, uh, job in marketing, um, is my, is my main source of income, but my, you know, kind of creator economy or, um, I guess passion project is my growth currency newsletter that I publish uh, every week to now about 1600 uh, subscribers. Wow. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And, and how did you actually uh, came to, well, um, I'm going to, you know, start a side hustle and yeah. like, um, yeah, like what was the, what was the process? Yeah. You know, it started out as something I did not really intend to, um, I guess, earn much of an income from. It was more of a, a, a desire to contribute to the creator economy in terms of sharing my experiences and thoughts um, and you know opinions online, which uh, can be sometimes dangerous. But um, I felt like I wanted to you know write and publish and and see where it led. So so I about December January kind of December. 2020, January, 2021 was right around when I started and started publishing on Substack, um, a free newsletter, and it had no real direction or specific focus. It was more, I'd write just a little bit of, um, my thoughts or opinions on maybe something that I had read online or a general kind of topic of interest. And then I'd share a few resources that I, um, had, had found over the past week or two that I thought were really helpful or interesting or that other people could benefit from. So that was kind of the inception of the, of the newsletter. And so like, it just started with you sharing your thoughts about the the information that you were consuming, right? Yeah, basically. Yeah. 
and then okay. other things as well. But yeah, mostly I'd read something and it would, you know, inspire some kind of emotional reaction or, or thoughtful reaction. And, and I'd just kind of go from there. That's great. And, and how did you actually get your, your first subscribers or were you just like publishing without really um, thinking <laughs> about who's going to read this? Yeah, it was very much a publishing into the void. At the beginning, there was, um, I think I published to zero subscribers for my first edition. And the nice thing with Substack is that it keeps a kind of a blog roll style catalog of your of your um, newsletters. So, or of your editions, I should say. So even though there might have been nobody reading that actual email, people could always go back and review. So that was, I knew that going in. So that wasn't really a huge concern. But I would just kind of share. I started sharing on Twitter, to be honest. That was the only thing I was using um, to kind of promote and share the newsletter was Twitter. So I would share what I was writing about on there. And, you know, slowly but surely, I started trickling in a few uh, interested readers who who were subscribing and reading and kind of saying, hey, this is pretty good. This is interesting. So kind of just kept going from there. Great. And, and like, did you start with having any kind of followers on Twitter or... Was it all like I'm starting from scratch on every platform and just seeing where it goes? <laughs> yeah, I think, um, you know, in spring 2020, when the, the pandemic kind of started ramping up, I I actually, I deleted Twitter from my phone. Um, I was doom scrolling. I was just, it was not serving me from any kind of um, benefit. So I just deleted it. And then the su- in the summer, I, like I said, I got this kind of, itch to start publishing. Um, I, had, I had written blogs in the past online, but never really taken it seriously or gone anywhere. But I did like the notion and the, the effort in, you know, turning my thoughts into, you know, written format. Um, I think writing can really help you clarify your thoughts. And it's, it's great for helping you be more concise and stuff. So I wanted to do it. And so I started a new Twitter account, or I shouldn't say a new Twitter account. I, I, basically revamped an old one that I had. And um, I think there's about 200 followers on there. And they were from, you know, a different, a different, um, I guess, account that I had been running, totally unrelated to what I wanted to do going forward. So I just kept going from there. Um, So that was summer of 2020, about six months later, when I started the Substack newsletter, I was at about uh, probably like 500 followers, 600 followers or so. So I had a small audience. to, to share with, but it, it was, um, it was definitely nothing, you know, massive. So it was, it did kind of feel like starting over for sure. Yeah. So like what I see, it's like the hardest part is always getting the, the initial traction. So mm-hmm. can you walk us a little bit more, um, through the process of you actually starting to see some traction that actually helps you to, to just continue and, and, and like push forward? Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll preface it by saying um, when I started publishing, I, I knew that it wasn't going to be an overnight success. Um, I had been listening to uh, a podcast by a gentleman named Danny Miranda, and his approach to starting his podcast was, you know, I'm going to I'm going to do 100 episodes and I'm not going to quit or change my mind or, you know, make any decision about where the podcast is going to go until I hit that. 100 mark. So it's like, basically, that was kind of the, the milestone that that he was going to decide what he wanted to do if he wanted to keep going with it, or if he wanted to quit. And so I liked that approach of having that sort of, I guess, that North Star, that goal of hitting before you give up on something. So 
I thought, well, I'm going to publish, you know, a hundred weekly newsletters before I decide to quit. I'm sure something good could come from that consistency and putting out that many things or putting out that, um, many editions. So, so that's how it, how it kind of started. Um, and so knowing that I was sort of in this, going to give this a shot for a bit of the long, I guess the long haul that, you know, a hundred weekly editions is about two years. Um, I, I just kind of, I wasn't too worried about the traction in the beginning, about the momentum. I knew, I knew that I had to have the mindset of more of a long-term approach. So I just was, like I said, I was sharing what I was writing about on Twitter and promoting it there. And then, um, I think about a hundred days, I was approaching my 100 day sort of launch mark. So a hundred days after I'd launched my first edition, um, I can't remember exactly how many editions that would be divide that by seven. And that would probably tell you, but, um, I remember thinking, you know, it'd be great to have a hundred subscribers in a hundred days. And I was at like 91 or right around 90. And so, you know, I, I tweeted out, um, you know, it'd be awesome to have a hundred subscribers in a hundred days. And, you know, I've been publishing this newsletter for close to four months. And, and so that got some people's attention and they were just being helpful and, and, uh, they had, they were already following me on Twitter. And so a few people subscribed and, you know, stuff like that, just people being kind, um, and just wanting to help me out by, you know, helping me hit that arbitrary milestone was, that was something that definitely, um, really helped me kind of, keep pushing through that people just were being generous, I guess. And and that was validating and it was, it was nice to see. Um, so that was kind of the first, like I said, the first hundred days, it took me a hundred days to get hundred subscribers. And then things started kind of accelerating a little bit after that. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that that's interesting. And so um, you have like this kind of a, I don't know if I can say unique approach, but I'm probably biased um, when it comes to that. So, I've never uh, been relying on on ads or on sponsors or anything like that when it comes to monetizing my audience. Um, I've always been like relying on like the products or the offers that I can craft by myself. Right. And you actually took a like another path, um, which is actually um, monetizing and just find sponsors for for your for your newsletter and this is how you started actually monetizing it right so can you mm -hmm. uh talk to us a little bit more about that yeah for sure uh, i'll add in that i did have you know a little bit of affiliate revenue from a few courses that i had taken like ship 30 for example that when you sign up you you get an affiliate link so i did get a little bit of you know uh affiliate income from that but it wasn't you know terribly significant, a couple hundred dollars over several months. So nothing, you know, nothing to uh, break the bank. But um, I did see about six months into publishing my newsletter, um, you know, other people who that I was subscribed to their newsletters, and I noticed they had ad spots. Um, if not, they if not sponsors, they even had you know, ad spots for sale in their newsletter, which I thought was interesting. It was basically like, hey, your ad could be here almost like an empty billboard um, in their newsletter. And I thought, okay, well, I mean, if they can do it, why can't I? And so I did the same thing. I had this kind of empty billboard spot at the top of my newsletter and it went unnoticed. I, I think, well, I mean, maybe people noticed it, but it didn't really generate anything. Um, and I thought, okay, well, you know, it's worth a try. I'll do this for a few weeks and see if anybody's interested in sponsoring a small newsletter. And there really wasn't a lot of interest at that time. But then um, I found out a few months later 
So this would have been about you know seven or eight months after starting to publish that there's a platform called Swapstack, um, Swapstack.io, I believe is the URL, and they are a ad marketplace for newsletters. And if you have um, basically 500 subscribers or more, you can create an account. I believe you could create an account with less, but most of the sponsors and brands that are on their platform, um, they're not really overly interested in um, paying for ads and sponsorships in newsletters with less than 500 subscribers. So really what this swap stack does is it connects uh, newsletters with these brands that want to advertise in newsletters. So when I found that, I created my profile through my numbers. I think I had about 650 subscribers at the time and um, just kind of sent a few. You can pitch brands as well as they can reach out to you. So I sent out a few pitches. Um, It was kind of quiet for the first three weeks, month almost. And then I got my first inbound request, which was really exciting. And then it kind of took off from there. So the first $25 ad was booked. Um, it didn't perform very well and they didn't rebook with me. Uh, but you know, I had, I had the kind of proof of concept. It was, it was validated that, you know, this could be something that could work. And so, you know, if you fast forward to now, um, I've built, you know, I've grown the newsletter about threefold since then, um, just about, and I've been able to get the, um, attention of larger brands and bigger budgets and stuff like that. Not again, not, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars, but you know, stuff that's been able to supplement me on the side for sure. Yeah, that's, that, that's quite interesting. And, um, let me ask you a question. So why, um, did you actually, um, think about like, was it just like to, to test or to emulate what's, what, what someone else was actually doing with, uh, this empty ad slot or, um, didn't you, or weren't you really comfortable in just creating something on your own or what was the, mm. the thought process behind that? Yeah, I think I had a lot of, um, I didn't really think I had much to offer people in terms of my own products, my own offerings. Um, at least not at that point. I, you know, I was in, I work in marketing, but I really didn't feel like I had much in the way of, you know, marketing, real marketing expertise, knowledge to share. I'm, I'm more of a generalist. So, you know, whether it's imposter syndrome or whatever you want to call it, I just didn't feel that I had um, really anything, anything that I could monetize from a product standpoint or a course or anything like that. That being said, I did create a um, short, you know, 18, 20 page guide or PDF to, um, it was kind of my first foray into lead magnets and products was how to start your, you know, a free Substack account and create a newsletter for free. Essentially was what it was. And I used that as a lead magnet to help grow my, to help grow my newsletter. Um, again, about this was shortly before I started monetizing it. So I was just using this as a free resource. Again, I think I've, I felt the, um, maybe some imposter syndrome around the value of the information I was offering and thought, you know, no one's going to pay for this. So I'm just going to offer it up for free and, you know, I'll, I'll get rewarded in new subscribers as opposed to, you know, financial. And I, I felt better as a business from a business standpoint or revenue standpoint in selling ad space than I guess my own knowledge, which is maybe odd, but (laughs) just kind of where I was at. Whereas now I've, I've gone, I've been doing this for uh, almost 18 months. And so I'm feeling a little bit more confident in my experience and knowledge 
in this space that I, I think I would be more comfortable in monetizing it. But again, that being said, I haven't really done so. Okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. Like it's, this makes, this makes a lot of sense. And I think everyone who's listening to this and who has actually like, who experienced what you were, what you were experiencing with, uh, well, maybe not having the ideas or maybe not feeling the, to be legit in order to sell something. Mm-hmm. This could be something interesting really to explore and, and just, you know, like I think also like that having this first spot booked, um, like maybe also gave you a sense of, well, if a stranger is willing to pay me in order to to advertise in the stuff that I'm writing, then maybe there is something <laughs> that, I can like dig deeper into. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then I, I think it was shortly after that first ad ran that I had um, some more inbound requests from people who were already subscribed to my newsletter and asked if, you know, they're like, Oh, you take sponsorships here. I'll advertise. I'd like to, you know, book an ad with you or a slot of ads or whatever it was. And I think I booked, um, I think Darren from craftsman creative.co. He, booked, I think four ads and I gave him, you know, a four ad discount of four ads for, you know, 80 bucks or something like that. It, and, and so it kind of, it kind of went from there. Um, a lot of the ads that I booked in the beginning were from really relationships I had already established. They weren't a lot of, um, cold outreach or cold inbound. It was mostly all warm, somewhat established relationships. So I think, you know, I'm just finishing up a piece right now on, you know, this whole sort of journey of me monetizing the newsletter. And I'm going to be publishing that tonight in my newsletter. And really what I've noticed is I don't have like this playbook on how to, you know, get ads uh, or monetize your newsletter with ads and sponsors. It's, it's more of a kind of nonlinear journey of, starting to show some value um, with your newsletter and build a bit of a subscriber base, but then also build relationships with your readers and your network too. Um, because so many of my advertisers have been people that I've just gotten to know on Zoom, on Twitter, um, in communities that I've been part of. So I think that's that's really the way that's been successful for me. Other people, it might be very different, but for me, that's been that's been the definitely the biggest factor of success for this. If you enjoyed this episode so far, can I ask you for a quick favor that will not take more than 10 seconds out of your valuable time? If you're an iPhone user, please head over to iTunes. I've just included a direct link to the podcast so that you don't have to search for it. Simply click the link and just tap and give this show a five-star review. This will help me get more exposure so that I can feature and convince more guests to come on the show to share more valuable knowledge with us. And if you're on YouTube, simply hit the like button. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And now let's go back. I mean, I like that because you've been very transparent in this. <laughs> you know, that's not a linear fact because, you know, like as content creators, like um, especially those who sell, um, you know, coach uh, trainings and this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like we all have this bias that, well, we can theorize everything, like everything, like we can come up with a step-by-step bulletproof full process that you just have to follow and like you're going to get the results and Mm -hmm. obviously this is not the case like um you know like sometimes like even like last um, on the last episode i was like with uh, john brosio and i went off a rant again again like you know the internet marketing space because you know there are so many things that that just 
doesn't make sense. Uh, you, you see, like same thing for you know, like well, I can I can teach you how to monetize your thing, but what people really don't take into consideration is that the market differs, the audience is not the same, the products are not the same. Mm-hmm. Like you know, there are so many factors that you can't really predict that this or that method will actually succeed. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it, I find that frustrating from a you know a content consumer um, as well, yeah. where it's like you know I want to I want to be as successful as you, and then I look at you know your your step by step framework, and it's like oh well no this isn't <laughs> this isn't going to work for me or my situation or my audience or what have you. So really, when I you know when I'm putting this piece together, I, I'm trying to keep that keep that in mind and basically just explain what I did. And how it got to where it got. It's not like you follow this step, then this step, then this step, and you'll get there. It's more like these are kind of the general ways I went about it. And it could be applied. You know, other people can do the same thing by, you know, creating rapport with people, building rapport, uh, building kind of a network, but not really think of it as a network. Think of it more as like, you know, almost friends. And that might sound cheesy, but really that's kind of what I did was I you know, I met these people without really ulterior motives or um, the hopes of networking, quote unquote. It was more just like being interested in other people and wanting to, you know, help them out and and learn from them. And maybe if they have questions about what I'm what I'm doing, I could share that information as well. And so, really building up those um, relationships as opposed to, you know, the LinkedIn networking kind of feel. It was it was more genuine, I felt, than that. And then when it came time to um, I guess when, once I started advertising and some of these people reached out with, you know, they wanted to even just help me out. I've had a few people reach out like, Hey, I want to help you out. I'll buy a, one of your footer ads that are, you know, only $30 or whatever. And, and they're just considering like, um, doing it not out of charity, but just out of, you know, I'll, it'll benefit me in some way if I get some new subscribers or new customers, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm helping you out as well and supporting your newsletter. So it's been it's been a really interesting journey i think when you're when you come at it without that sort of not slimy but you know kind of um i guess I'll, with an ulterior motive of trying to build a relationship for the sole purpose of monetizing it in some way yeah that's uh that that makes total sense and i mean you have mm-hmm. you are like kind kind people on your on your uh, on your email list so this is actually this is actually great Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they have done a, a good job in attracting to the right people, which is actually like fifty percent of of marketing. Right? They're just selling to yeah. the, to the right people. So that's that's uh, true. That, that's, that's true. That's a challenge. Yeah, that, uh, that that's a good point. So the other thing that I really wanted to uh, pinpoint, um, but what you were just saying is that you know, when it comes to let's say putting up a framework or a or you know a step by step game plan or something like this. Um, mm-hmm. The interesting thing is that not only actually showing, let's say, a, a concept or well, I've done, let's say, X Y Z. It's really like as I told you before, like starting the recording, is that it's really walking people behind the thought process. So what made actually make me? Uh, um, what did actually took this decision? So what was my thought process? And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean people who who don't really resonate with the with the tactical point of view they may resonate with the premises and you know adapt it yeah. to their to their own environment yeah yeah so 
basically you're asking kind of what was my sort of overarching sort of strategy or thought behind starting and growing the newsletter? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I did, I mentioned it earlier a little bit was when I was, you know, inspired by that other podcast too. Um, they had decided to do a hundred, a hundred editions. Right. And that was kind of, for me, having, having that, you know, really clear number of, I'm not going to stop doing this until I hit that point. Um, that really helped guide me. So I think that, and then what that translates to is how other people can, you know, look at that. It doesn't have to be a hundred, but think about the, the consistency. So that's a word that gets thrown about very often, especially on Twitter, you know, be consistent, stay consistent, et cetera, et cetera. And it sounds kind of like a platitude. Um, but at the same time, there's truth behind it because, you know, if you, start a newsletter or a podcast, um, Matt, you can relate, you know, there's so many podcasts that don't make it past, you know, episode seven or episode 10, and they just mm-hmm. kind of fall by the wayside. Right. And what could have happened had those people stuck with it and, you know, actually published, uh, 50 episodes or hundred episodes, or, you know, if they would have taken it further. So I think there is something to be said for consistency. Um, even though it's, it is one of those things that, you know, you see, people saying all the time. Um, so I feel like it takes maybe more than just consistency. You need to be also resilient as well. So in the beginning, you know, you're, you may be publishing weekly, week after week after week. So you're, um, you know, and I, which is what I was doing. I was publishing weekly and it's a slow growth. And so you have to, I guess, have that sort of resilient attitude where, you know, whether I get three new subscribers 30 new subscribers or I lose three subscribers, I'm going to keep going. I need to be resilient um, and stay, stay level with the tide um, or with the waves that come in, whether they're, you know, going to knock me down or lift me up. So that's, that's kind of my mindset around it as well. Like it, it's a very, you know, to get, to get discouraged by, you know, a few people unsubscribing or maybe some negative feedback or something like that. It, it sucks. Like it's not fun to hear, but at the same time, if you can keep sort of that bigger picture in mind, it's not just like, this isn't a day-to-day project. This is a monthly or not a month. This is, you know, a longer term project, at least for me it is. And I think when we want something bad enough to focus, um, we can see the end result and we can focus on the long term. It's a lot easier to stay both consistent and resilient. Um, yeah, I'm not sure that's really the, the answer you're looking yeah. for. It's very kind of sort of out there, but really that's been sort of my, my mindset is just to keep doing this every week and try to, you know, gather feedback and make sure that my content is still helpful for people and resonating. Um, so I always ask for feedback at the end of my editions and, you know, some weeks I get some, and some weeks I get none. Um, but really, I, I just try to keep putting out, you know, quality product week after week and, and iterate and improve on it as best I can. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And what I just wanted to, um, to ask you is like, did you um, put any kind of process in place where like, um, or some rules where you just were just, uh, let's say, um, not looking at your stats or having someone else managing your inbox just to don't see the nasty comments or like, did you <laughs> like try to implement some, some of these kind of stuff? Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Good question. Um, you know, I didn't, and I do still 
I am still pretty obsessive about stats, even though I'm saying, you know, stay consistent and resilient. And, you know, just because I am consistent and I am resilient, it doesn't mean I don't follow those things. So like, I know that I have 1,639 subscribers. I think actually, Matt, you might've been my 1,640th. Like I know that. And I know my open rate is going to always be um, on my first send is going to be between, you know, 48 to, you know, 52%. Um, kind of, you know, like I know my stats quite well. I know my Twitter, my average daily Twitter followers are around, you know, 12 or 13. I track, I track those stats every day. Like I track how many followers I get in a spreadsheet. So like I am monitoring things because like I, I am strategic about it. Um, more so even now than I was in the beginning, because I, I'd love to grow this to a, to a larger extent, but, um, I'm, yeah, I'm not overly, I guess I'm not overly concerned about the negativity because if I do start seeing a slowdown in whether it's subscribers, if I start seeing a higher unsubscribe rate or a lower open rate, or, a you know, I'm not getting my follower rate on Twitter is dropping off or my, you know, engagement rates dropping down. If I, you know, I, I have to watch for those signals because that that's telling me something and it's telling me either I need to, um, you know, amp things up, improve things, talk to people to find out what, what's going wrong, maybe with my content, or I need to make some kind of change. So I do definitely stay pretty in tune with those details. Um, if I was, if I was publishing much more polarizing content, like if I'm being honest, my, my content is pretty, you know, there's not a lot of, um, you know, highly opinionated or very, uh, you know, emotionally charged content. It's, it's mostly very, you know, friendly, helpful creator economy style content. I do have some, you know, quote unquote, spiky points of view. Uh, one of my main ones that did get a little bit of not hate, but a little bit of, um, sort of negative pushback was I said, people shouldn't start blogs. They should just start newsletters. Like, you know, blog, starting a blog is a waste of time in this day and age um, because you can start a newsletter and kind of cut to the chase. And so I put out my rationale for that and there's a medium post on it and stuff that you can read, but I got yeah, I a, that. did you? Okay. I, I got some pushback from a uh, professional, a longtime professional marketer named Mark Schaefer. He kind of, he had fun with the piece. Like he, he took a, he he took the piss out of me a little bit, um, as they say, and, you know, countered all of my points and he's built a successful blog. So of course he, you know, he doesn't see any of my points as being valuable, but it's just, it was written with my perspective in mind. And I'd started blogs in the past and they'd gone nowhere and no one was reading them and they were hard to promote. And, and I just gave up. And so with the newsletter, I, you know, it was part of me sticking with it, but it was also seeing something that worked. And so I thought, okay, well, this is why I think more people maybe would benefit from starting a newsletter than starting a blog post. And I wrote that. So, um, but yeah, other than, you know, that most of my replies to my newsletters are either um, positive or just questions, which is great. And I don't really, I don't really set up too many safeguards for, for that stuff. That's interesting. And to be honest, like here, we have like a break point between what you're doing and what I'm doing. I think <laughs> that I'm way too polarizing in my email. So I'm going on a, a, on rants and, you know, like <laughs> I, I, I don't like, I really, sometimes I really play with the, with, the, with, with dangerous things here, but like for, for like, it's just more like the way that I am. I'm maybe a little bit like politically correct when I'm, you know, in gathering, in gatherings, but 
when I'm with like the people that, um, um, like, you know, with the people that I, that I trust and that I actually spend mm-hmm. my time with, I mean, I can be very harsh and <laughs> not, not, like not going into profanity or this kind of stuff, but like, this is like how I treat my newsletter. So either you're in my inner circle or you mm. can just opt out and click the, click the link at the end of the year. Right. So, yeah. Right. That's funny. I, well, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of value in that and you're going to get, um, yeah, you're, you might not attract a, perhaps a larger, you know, group of people that, but the people you do attract to your newsletter who, um, resonate with your content, they're going to be very passionate. Right. So I think there yeah, is, exactly. yeah. there's a lot of value in, in approaching from that angle, but then you, you do have to, um, I guess if you're, if you're concerned or sensitive or, you know, the negative remarks really affect you, then you gotta, you gotta maybe put up some of those safeguards that you were asking about for sure. The, the thing is that this, this it's, I'm really sensible and really sensitive about, like, you know, getting this kind of hate um, mm. emails or people who are just, let's say, really upset about what I, what I told. But to be honest, like you just have to deal with it because um, it's just like the, like, Sometimes it's also a kind of education that you take for yourself is you, if you see that people, well, you're getting, you know, um, negative comments, but on the flip side, you're also getting people who are just, who just engage more with what, with, with what you have to say. So yeah. sometimes it's a little bit good to have, you know, some pain and suffer a little bit, mm-hmm. just, you know, to, to really know that you're on the right track. Absolutely. I agree. I mean, that, that post I wrote, that was a little bit, you know, I got a little bit of pushback from about starting a a newsletter, not a blog that, that probably got, you know, the most, <laughs> the most replies when I posted the Twitter thread, both people being like, yeah, this is great advice. And other people being like, you're insane. Have you ever heard of SEO and blah, blah, blah. So like, you know, it, it those kinds of things can definitely help you. And also, you know, maybe there was an angle that you hadn't considered before. So it can help and help you be more open-minded about the topic than just seeing it from one perspective. So it can exactly. be beneficial like in both ways. You, yeah, exactly. And if you even reverse engineer, let's say the viral, um, you know, the viral type of content, mm-hmm. like you're also you're always going to recognize one single pattern is that they all preach that even life is white or black. Like there is no gray, there is no yeah. spectrum. Yeah. True. But in life, yeah. so many things are are gray. Oh yeah. <laughs> They are, yeah. they are not black, but they are not white. So yeah, it's definitely something to, to consider. So um, yeah. let's go back a little bit to the to the monetization part when it comes to monetizing with uh, sure. with ads. Um, you mentioned that the first uh, company who who booked a, um, a slot um, mm-hmm. didn't really get um, you know a good return on investment, so they didn't come back. So mm-hmm. um, what did you actually do in order just to pick people who, or pick companies that um, actually uh, will get a, a nice ROI because this is actually what makes you rebook them and you know be yeah. satisfied and then just also recommend like advertising on, on your newsletter. Yeah, it, it definitely. That's very important with um, when it comes to finding the right sponsors. And, and yet for, for the first ad, it was for a, a sports, um, it was a sports, college sports newsletter. And so really wasn't, yeah, there's going to be, you know, college sports fans who might read my newsletter as well, but you know, there wasn't a good alignment there with my content. And so it's not surprising that it didn't perform well at all and that they didn't come back. Um, 
And I don't think that newsletter is actually even still around anymore. I went to check their website and it's gone. So I think it, what I, and in the beginning, I'll be honest, Matt, I was taking, you know, anybody that was going to pay for an ad slot with my newsletter. If you wanted to advertise me, that was, that's all that kind of mattered that you were going to pay for a slot. Um, but then, you know, as you, as your newsletter grows, as your um, subscriber base grows, as you maybe um, refine and and hone in on a niche or a focus, then it's more and more important to, um, and also as you're going to be charging more, it's more and more important to get the right kind of advertiser. And so I find myself now being more fussy on the advertisers I reach out to and the ones that are inbound. And I've had a few, you know, inbound requests that I just don't think, you know, we both agreed, like this isn't quite the right fit. Um, and there's a few that, you know, I've tried anyway, and, they've, they've performed okay. Um, but they've, the, you know, I've sent them their stats, the, from their, from their campaign and the click rate was, you know, it was okay. They probably didn't quite get the ROI they were looking for. And of course, in that case, they didn't rebook. And so, um, yeah, I think it's just, it's just going to be more helpful to everybody, your audience, yourself, you know, the newsletter publisher and the advertiser, if all those things are in better alignment. So that's kind of the the thought process I go about it. Um, fortunately, I I market to or I write to a lot of people in you know generally in business, in marketing, and in solopreneurship. So that casts a pretty wide net for advertisers and sponsors. Um, but at the same time, um, not everybody is the right fit. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So um, I think like another question that would be interesting to tackle is. How did you find actually this this alignment, right? So, um, mm. um, especially um, what I've read from one of your, um, from I, I guess it, I don't know if it was one of your posts or of your past issues of the newsletter is that, mm -hmm. you know, like you started so many things in the past, you didn't stick to them. And yes, I also think that you're kind of a person who has, like, say, a lot of interests and actually <laughs> closing yourself down in one specific niche, maybe also cause some anxiety am oh. i right oh man you have no idea it took me a long yeah, time so, to, to focus so, so how did you how did you manage this well um some friendly shoving <laughs> from from some uh online friends who are like who i'm in a community with and i basically said you know it was probably beginning of march of this year so not long ago and they essentially said like I was telling them I didn't really know how or where to take the newsletter from where it was. And somebody basically said, you know, I think of you, you write a lot about your newsletter growth and experience in your newsletter. And he's like, I, I defer to you when it comes to stuff like ads, like how you're doing your ads and how you're, you know, building and promoting your newsletter. So I see you as like the newsletter guy. Like if there's somebody I want to, like I write a newsletter too. And if there's somebody I want to look at, you know, who's talking about or anybody I think of you. So he said, basically, I think that's really where you should drive your focus in your direction. Um, and other people agreed with him. And, you know, it had been something that I had been sort of thinking about myself. And this was kind of the validation I needed to just really like change that focus. And I was really scared because like I said, in that post, um, I have a lot of interests and, you know, niching down was something I had always avoided because I was like, well, I don't want to, you know, 
basically put myself into a box and not be able to get out of it. And it turns out all those fears are, um, they actually open up a lot more opportunity than I realized. Uh, by niching down, I was able to actually have way more ideas because I had I had one thing to focus on and way more angles of which to approach it and things to talk about it. So it was kind of this really strange paradox um, that I actually was very pleasantly surprised by. Yeah, it's like the perfect example of doing counterintuitive things. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I've been like, you know, doing a lot of research for like around the topic of generalist versus specialist. Everyone is talking, mm -hmm. well, you need to be a specialist, but on the flip side, you know, people who actually innovate are the generalists. So how can you actually find the sweet spot? <laughs> so I think there, like, there is so many things to say. I guess we need to, to keep that for, uh, for another, uh, for, oh, yeah. for another time. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so what would be like the, some advices you will you would give up to someone who's just thinking about you know um building a newsletter and um mm -hmm. yeah just starting out yeah and i i do get that i do get that question um from time to time and i think it's you know to be honest it, it it's hard growing a newsletter it's not i mean it's growing a podcast is even harder so i can't uh i can't really equate it to that but i you know, the, the platforms like Substack and Review and Beehive is another one and, you know, ConvertKit, which I use, these all, these all give creators um, really easy access to growing a newsletter. And so with that become, comes, you know, this low barrier to entry, there's way more saturation in the newsletter space. But what I tell people is, you know, there's only one you and there's only one person who has, you know, that shared experience, um, knowledge and opinion. Um, and that's you, right? So if you write from the, from a place of, of your own experience and your own, you know, knowledge and, and opinion, then you are your own product, right? So you can, even if somebody's writing a newsletter about product knowledge management, right? Um, you, you still have, you can still ha corner that, have a piece of that you know, pie because you are doing it one way and you have thoughts and opinions and experiences on doing it. And so I think people do worry. Like I'm, my point is that people worry about starting a newsletter because they think it's oversaturated. And that's one of the questions I get asked a lot. And I think what you really need to do is realize that um, nobody is you. And so that's, that's one thing. I, I think if you approach with that mentality and write with that mentality, you'll, you'll benefit. The other thing is, um, know that it's not a overnight get rich quick or, uh, you know, get a lot of subscribers quick strategy. It's not something that's gonna, you're going to be able to monetize immediately. It's not something that's going to just take off. Um, unless of course there's caveats. If you have a huge audience that you just haven't started a newsletter yet, sure. You can, you can grow a newsletter quickly with a captive audience, but for, you know, the general, um, content creator who maybe has a few hundred followers on Twitter or, or, uh, Instagram or where have you, it's going to be a slow build. And that's why I approached it with the mentality of a hundred editions. I set that kind of mark, uh, that line in the sand of saying, I'm going to publish at least a hundred of these before I quit, before I give up or before I, you know, really change course. And so that for me set kind of this much more long-term mindset. And that was very helpful in the beginning when things were slow, when it took me a hundred days to get a hundred subscribers. Um, so 
I think knowing that it is a longer game is going to help people. And if you have a bigger, if that more longer term mindset, you're going to probably be more successful. Awesome. Thank you very much, Dylan. Do you have anything else that you want to add? Um, you know, nothing, nothing's really jumping to mind. I just kind of <laughs> get off my soapbox here, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think people, again, I, a lot of people are just afraid to start and afraid to publish to nobody and it is hard. And I think maybe I'll just add that the first 1000 subscribers are the hardest and it feels like a huge mountain to climb. Um, and I'll do a little bit of self-promotion. I did create a free guide on, you know, how to get your first 1000 subscribers. And again, it's not a step one, do this step two, do that. It's more of a general, these are a bunch of different strategies that you can kind of do at the same time that will help you grow your email list. If you, if you actually execute on all of them, um, you know, day by day and, and build that way. So, um, you're not going to get a thousand subscribers in the five day email course, but you will, learn about all the different ways that you can, um, incorporate, you know, some things that I've used, some things that I reached out to other newsletter writers and, you know, I use some of their strategies in this free course as well. So, um, I think it's something that I wish I had when I first started out, because I kind of had to learn a lot of this stuff on my own. So if anybody's interested in that, it's the one KS would stand for 1000 subscribers, one KS, uh, roadmap. So if you go to growth currency, dot net slash one ks hyphen roadmap you'll find it there great we're going to link to that in the show notes and yeah thank you very much for sharing all this uh, with us dylan and yeah i wish you all the best and hope to talk soon thanks matt it's been fun all right so i hope that you've enjoyed this episode with dylan radicop um, i really enjoyed the conversation i enjoyed dylan's transparency so, well, you can't go wrong by being honest. And yeah, um, uh, as usual, I left all the links in the show notes so you can check out Dylan's work. And yeah, if you also want to know more about what I'm doing and want actually to learn the lessons that I've learned over the past decade, being a content creator, building multiple six-figure online businesses, I've also included the link to my private and secret emails in the show notes. So everything is there. Check it out. And yeah, with that being said, I can't wait to see you there. And also don't miss out on next week's episode because I'm pretty sure that there will be some interesting things again. So be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss out. Thank you very much for tuning in today and I hope to see you in the next one.